are here. Because I can't. I had to take off. I don't know. I started counting and it just got lost. Um, my shoes, I had to take those off. Um, it was an Arkansas joke. Uh, but we're glad you're here. Uh, and, and sometimes, sometimes churches, uh, we, we as churches can get caught up in, I'm so excited 270 people showed up. But really, in the end, I, I'm just really glad you're here. Um, I'm glad you're here, that uh, we can celebrate God together, that we can um, celebrate the resurrection together. And it's not really about a number of people, but it's about the fact that you we're here, that you decided today's the day I'm going to celebrate resurrection, today's the day that I'm going to celebrate um, the power of God, not just in something that happened long ago, but in something that can happen this week, something that can change my life today. We'll be in Luke chapter 15 this morning, but first, a couple of announcements. Uh, Michelle Driver is uh, decided to place membership with us. Um, here at Mineral Springs Church of Christ. She's been coming for quite a while now, and we are so thankful for her. Uh, there she is there, if you want to look. Yep. We're very thankful. Anytime someone places membership with us, uh, we don't own a golf course, per se. Um, it's, this isn't a country club. This is a thing where we get, when you place membership, we say, all right, well, now you're working with us. Now this is, this is what we do together. Um, jump in, get your hands dirty, and let's go. Uh, and she has committed to that. It's, it's more of a commitment from her than it is um, from us. So we're very thankful for that. Um, very glad she's um, made that decision. Uh, also, uh, Rachel wanted me to announce and not forget to announce that Rachel is uh, my wife, for those of you who don't know. Uh, she ha- it was announced that she would be taking the new directory pictures. That's only if you want an updated one. If you're fine with how fantastic you look in your old directory picture, which they're actually pretty recent, within the year, maybe um, two years, really? Wow. Um, But if you want a new one, maybe you've gotten your hair did since then, or you've had a new addition and you want the the baby in the picture, uh, then then she will be set up for you. um, And we've actually... we, we took all the pictures for the directory and then grew pretty much immediately. Uh, so if you, ne- if, you didn't get your, um, if you didn't get your picture taken, then uh, it'll be in there not this Sunday, but next Sunday and then the Sunday after if you want to come get your picture taken and get your um, information to us so we can um, stalk you. Uh, we will, we will be in Luke chapter 15. And you know, we've, we've been studying this, this, the parable of the lost son. And one of the things that we often do with the parable of the lost son is we, we, we put ourselves in somebody's shoes. And we say, well, here's, here's the shoe. I'm, I'm the lost son. I was that guy that ran off and uh, squandered money and then a famine came and I, was, I had to um, come running back. And grovel. I've made those sorts of mistakes. And then maybe some of you are the older brother. Maybe you're the one who you've just sort of lived a religious life. Notice I didn't say a good life. Um, a religious life and a holy life. A religious li- life and a righteous life are, are, are two different things. But maybe you've lived 
the, the life where you woke up every Sunday and just it was sort of the Sunday you went to church. I'm one of those people. Uh, mainly because I couldn't drive when I was five. My parents made me. Which was good for me. It was good. I remember I liked going on Sunday night betters because there was, there was, I, I had factored in that there was a higher chance of graham crackers on Sunday night than there was on Wednesday night. And we would say, right, is it Sunday night or Wednesday night? We'd go to this little classroom and they'd give us graham crackers. Kids communion is what I called it. That's not what they called it. It's just what my stupid little head called it. <coughs> and so... We, we went, we'd get graham crackers, and we'd, we'd have, um, we would go to church, and so that was sort of my thing. I'd get up, go to church, we'd, every time the doors were open. Sometimes, as I said before, when they weren't open, Mike parents had keys to the church. So we'd go open the doors and be there. Uh, and, and so that's where we, I was raised, literally, in a church. It's, it's me and the hunchback. That, that, those are the people who were raised in church more than anybody else. And so maybe you're like me and you're the older brother and you look down and sometimes people come back from life lived where they squandered a certain blessing or they squandered their, their life savings or they've made these mistakes over and over again and they come back and they repent and you have a hard time celebrating with the repentant people because you have judged them and you say, well, they're, they're, they're a different, they're, they're less than I am. In either situation, what we have found in both situations is that those two mindsets are mindsets from which we must repent. To be someone who lives in, 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 and has a lifestyle that is completely self-indulgent, whether it's through self-indulgent through drink, self-indulgent through drugs, self-indulgent through relationships after relationship after relationship. Or it's self-indulgent through religion where you feel pretty superior to just about everybody else because I haven't lived that sort of way. Whether it's you feel like you don't deserve it or, and, and so you won't come back or you feel like you deserve it. Both are sin and both are in need of repentance. Jesus tells this story and has a um, pretty clear objective. Because in the end, we're all going to get hit. Whether we're the younger son, younger daughter. Whether we're the older son, the older daughter. We're going to get hit. And actually, a lot of us, I think, are a mixture of the both. We're not just someone who needs to repent from self-indulgence, but we're also someone who needs to repent of self-righteousness. And man, aren't we skilled at... Skilled? Skilled. That was the word I just said. <laughs> Arkansas sometimes just falls out of my mouth. Skilled! Aren't we skilled at having, uh, being able to, uh, to, to have feet in both camps to be able to just really indulge in ourself and to to act and then also be very judgmental be struggling with one sin very secretly and very publicly be 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 judgmental of the people who struggle with that sin or one that is similar or one that is completely different we're all sinners judging sinners 
That's all we are. Jesus tells the story, and there's two parts of it that are the most interesting to me. We'll start in verse 17. Peyton, I think I can do this. I think I can. If I mess up, just fix me, okay? Is it on the, it is on the slide there? All right, we're, that's where we're starting. Okay. I think I can do Okay. I think I can. When he came to his senses, he said, this is the younger brother. Remember, he's in a pigsty, and he's, he's wanting to eat the food that the pig is eating. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men? How many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I like to play this game where I find strangers in public. Uh, it's, it's no fun if, if they're in, and I'm, I may offend some people of certain ages, I'm just sorry. Uh, it's no fun if they're in their 70s or 80s or 90s or 1000s. It's the, it's like people in their 60s, 50s and 60s. I like to kind of pick and over under, I'll say, Rachel, over under, how long has it been since they've run, ran? Just sprinted. For some, for some reason, that's fun for me. Trying to figure out how long, have the, how long has it been in months since they've sprinted? And, and I never know the answer. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Most preachers get this. I get but how, how long has it been since they... Because a lot of times, like, we don't, we don't just run in public. That's not something you may do. We don't just think, well, you know, it'd be, it'd be faster to get into Walmart if I just sprint it in. I'll tell you this much, I know for a fact those doors don't open in time if you do that. <laughs> I know for a fact. That's another story for another time. Those doors will not be wide enough for your shoulders. Um, <laughs> you will get bruised. But you, you don't think, it would just be faster if I ran. Because it would, but we don't. Because it's weird to run in public. Actually, back in this day, it was disgraceful to run in public. For a, a Jewish man to be running through the streets, just, ah, you know, what? Everyone would say, why is, why is he doing that? He shouldn't be doing that. Another thing that is disgraceful to do in public is to hug your son in the first century. So Jewish, Jesus paints this image in a Jewish world, in a Jewish context, in which a man is running to his son to hug his son, to kiss his son, because he is filled with compassion. What we find in the father who waits on his son's return is that he is willing to abandon all predetermined situations and all predetermined contexts and all predetermined rules, societal rules, and say, I will do whatever it is I need to do to get to my son, to get to the one who's returning. I will meet him. 
Now he starts going through his spill. Remember the son has practiced his spill. Have you ever practiced what you're going to say in front of the mirror? I have it. I'm just kidding. Of course you have. Of course you looked in the mirror and said, okay, you can do this. I need a raise. I need a raise. I need you say, say it as many times as you need to. I haven't practiced that one necessarily. <laughs> How was the Easter sermon? He just kept talking about needing a raise. It was weird. So he goes through his spill. He's practiced his spill, and he says to um, the. He runs up to his father. His father embraces him, and he kisses him, and he says. Um, the, the son says to the father, ask him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember the rest? I take me on as your hired servant. His father interrupts him almost as if he hasn't even heard the first part and says, hey, quick. The father says to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Fattened calves in that day probably could feed about anywhere between 25 to 39, 40 people. So big party. Bring a fattened calf. Kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate his return. Now, you all know the rest of the story. We talked about it last week. The, the, the older brother comes in from the field. The older brother comes in from the field and he's, he's walking in and he hears music and he hears dancing. They were clogging. It was audible music and dancing. Obviously, there is a party going on. And he says, what's happening here? What, 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 what's going on? And, and he grabs a servant and the servant says, well, your son... Your brother came back, and now we're throwing a party for him. And he gets so mad. He gets so mad, and he refuses to go in. Here's what's interesting to me, and this may just strike me as a, 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 a religious um, person, someone who's grown up religious, and maybe I, I think I might struggle with the thing that's, that the older brother struggles with more often. Um, It's interesting to me what happens next. The older brother, in verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. Have you noticed this? You may have. I just hadn't. The father meets both sons where they are. The father runs to his repentant son on the way back and goes out to meet the angry older brother to bring him in. They are celebrating the son's return and the older brother says, no, I'm not going to do it. And the father says, I'll go out and meet him where he is and talk to, try to talk him in to coming and celebrating with us. You could use the word party, but we don't do that in church, so we're going to say celebrate. Well, she was just say party. He said, I'm going to come on into the party. Come on in. There's music. There's dancing. There's a fattened calf. This party's for everyone who wants to celebrate. And his brother, his, his, the older brother has a problem. He says, 
But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. But when this son of yours who has squandered his property with prostitutes come comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I think it's interesting that he assumes that's how he squandered his property. Probably not necessarily a safe assumption, but could be. I don't know what's happened there. Okay. This son of yours comes home. You've squandered. He squandered his property and you, 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 you throw a feast for him. He says that. No, we had to celebrate. He said, my my son, the father said. We had to celebrate. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. None of this story makes sense unless we go to Luke 24. See, the the story of the prodigal son about, about a man celebrating his son's return is only pertinent to us if the tomb is empty. Because otherwise it's just a story about how to be a good dad. But if the tomb is empty, if they tried to bury Jesus and three days later he awoke, never to die again, if Jesus is alive, this story is about way more than that. The story is about a God who loved his people. The the renegades and the religious nuts loved us all so much that he came to where we are. He came to where we are to bring us from death to life. If the tomb is empty, if it is, I think it it should change everything about how we interact with each other and how we view ourselves in front of the God who created all things. Go to Luke chapter 24 with me. The story is familiar. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed or glowed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He is not in the grave. A lot of times church can kind of be funky. Coming to church is kind of odd. Um, a lot of times it's just, uh, we, we've talked before if aliens would have just, if aliens would come down, not that I'm saying aliens exist or not, but it, so... <laughs> 
If alien, if someone who'd never heard of church before, let's say it that way, someone who's never heard of church before comes in and watches church, they're all singing in one direction. Not to one direction, not the group, but in like a direction. They're, they're all, they all bow their heads and pray and some of them peek. It's weird. They all, then this guy gets up and talks about life and how to, how life, and then they have this communion thing and they're, it's, it's weird. It's strange. They would say, those are the tiniest cups I've ever seen in my life. But we're so used to it. It's so common to us that, that we just take it at face value and oh, it's a thing that we do. But why? Why do we do the thing that we do? Why do we live a certain way? Why do we think Jesus' words are binding on us when He says, love your neighbor? When He says, He says, don't worry. When He says, don't lust or don't be angry. When He says, all the be a city on a hill, assault, assault to the earth. When He says all the things that He says, that the most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God. Why? Do we care? It's because the tomb is empty. I think maybe we've done a bad job of telling you that, the, that, that church is just church because church is church. And that we do the things we do, that we sing praises to God and that we pray and that we read our Bibles because that's just what you're supposed to do. Or supposed to, depending on where you're from. But the, re- the reason we do this is there is good news involved. The good news is not that you get to go to church. That's not always good news. The good news is not that you get to do certain, that you have rules now. The good news is that they buried Jesus. They tried to kill him and he didn't stay dead. And because Jesus is alive, we are now death proof. You can't kill us. You can try, but because the tomb is empty, I'll get up. Because the tomb is empty, I have nothing to fear. Because the tomb is empty, we get to be closer to, closer to God than we could ever have imagined before Jesus conquered death. Sometimes we get caught up in the whole sin thing, and the sin thing is good. It's, 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 it's a... The fact that our sins are forgiven is a beautiful thing. But death is defeated. Our sins are forgiven, but when we die, it is not done. We have hope. That's why we baptize people here as soon as they say, I want to follow Jesus, we baptize them. We have it filled up with water back there, ready to go. One of the things Paul talks about in Romans 6 is that baptism is like, is, is, is like being buried and risen again. That all of you who were baptized were buried, in, were buried into Christ Jesus and you were raised to walk again in a new life. And that baptism signifies what we, what we believe happens in Jesus, that we will be buried and we will raise again. And it's not just the forgiveness of our sins, although that comes. But once we are baptized, it's not just about, it's not just about, well, we have a clean slate. Try not to sully it anymore. 
Because that's what it can feel like sometimes. Your sins are forgiven. Stop messing up. But baptism signifies this new life that we have and that we hope for. We have a new life now and we hope for a, a new life to come. Jesus, the, the tomb being empty changes everything. In, in just a second, not now, in just a second, I'm going to say the word stand and sing. Sometimes people aren't paying attention to the sermon and they'll just get up. If I say it, not now. And in a little bit, we're going to stand and we're going to sing about what God has done. And, and a lot of times people respond and... But what I want you to respond to is not the need to be baptized or the need to say prayer or the need to repent. But I want you to respond. If Jesus is alive, this should change everything. If you want to respond or align yourself with the resurrected king, then we're going to say, come on down. We'll be standing up and singing. There's not room for you to... Well, there's a spot here. And there's steps. I'm sure these fine folks will give up a chair or two. But you'll come down and we'll, we'll praise God that you were lost and you are now found. That you are dead and you will be alive. That the, the resurrection affects us deeply and affects our relationship to God Deeply. This God who raised Jesus is the God who waits for you. This God who resurrected Jesus is the God who runs to you or comes out of the party when you refuse to go in to say, come on in, you're missing it. So the question is then, is Jesus alive? But if he is, then sometimes the question deep down is, who or what then can separate us from the love of Jesus? What is it? Tombs empty. What can separate us from the love of Jesus? Can it be trouble or hardship or persecution? What about Hunger or poverty or danger or war? I think the answer is none of those things. Because in all of those things, all the things that make us afraid, we are more than conquerors through the God who loves us, who waits for us, who runs to us, who resurrects us, who redeems us. So nothing, I am convinced, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Paul says, angel, life or death, angels or demons, present, nothing you've done in the present, nothing you'll do in the future, nothing that you've done in the past. Nothing. No power that exists 
Nothing in the spiritual realm, nothing in the, the physical realm. No, he, Paul says heights or depths. That's, that's how he phrases it in Romans 8. Heights or depths, but nothing. There's no physical catastrophe. There's no cancer or heart disease. There's no death that can separate us from the love of God that we find in Christ Jesus. A lot of us are just chasing nonsense. Trying to live by something that's not even worth our time. Loving something deeply that doesn't love us back. All the while there is one who loves you and who waits for you and who runs to you and who redeems you and who will resurrect you. And he has the power to do all that and he, God, loves you more than you can ever Imagine. And nothing can separate you from the love of the God who brought his son back from the grave. If that's something that should change everything in your life, let's start today. We're kind of in a situation here where we got people all everywhere. If you want to come forward, come forward. If you want to go sideways, grab someone and who wants to pray with you. Someone you trust. You may not know me from Adam. You know, I don't want to go to talk to that guy. What's he like, 12? <laughs> grab someone you trust. Tell them stuff needs to change. Grab someone who will hold you accountable. The resurrection needs to affect me. I don't want next Easter to be the next time I think about a risen king. Nothing can separate us. And Jesus is alive. Let's stand and sing. Thy strength.